Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. So glad that you're joining us today. Excited to continue our series that we've been in called The Pursuit of Presence. Uh, perhaps you've been here for some of that. If you haven't, I'll, I'll do my best to kept, catch you up to speed. But I wanted to start here with our series verse. It's Psalm 84, verse 7. Listen to these words. They go from strength to strength increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. Imagine always living an ever-increasing victorious power. That's what the Bible is promising to us. I wanted to read just so that you guys have a picture of this psalm. I've encouraged you to keep reading it, keep going through it. And so I'm just going to read it again. As a reminder, let this kind of be a, uh, like a Selah moment. You're like, what's that mean? It's like a pause. Just a pause, you know, in the middle of the noise, in the middle of everything in your life. Just a pause. Hear these words from Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with a longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, body and soul. I will shout, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at the place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praise. Selah. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds, listen, listen, on a pilgrimage towards Jerusalem, towards God, towards God's house. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rain will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger and stronger, right? And each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. That's that victorious power. O Lord of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. O God, look with favor upon your king, our shield. Show favor to the one you have anointed. A single day, listen, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. And then listen to this in verse 11. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory are you thankful for that? The Lord would withhold no good thing from those who do what's right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for just the continual meditation of our heart on this particular psalm. As we chew on it, 
as we contemplate it, as we think on it, Lord, would you continue to reveal to us deeper and deeper truths, spiritual principles, behaviors, actions, thoughts, and ideas that maybe we don't just see at first glance. As we dig, dig, and dig, may we find the treasures that your word reveals. Holy Spirit, our minds and our hearts are open to simply hear from you this morning. And so God, as we take another step towards your throne, towards your presence, would you meet us here? If you're here today and you want to hear from God, just simply say to the Lord, Lord, I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. I'm open. In faith, I'm open. Would you speak? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So when I was 19 years old, I uh, went on a trip over to Eastern Europe and was doing some mission work over there. And I got back. I'd been there for about a month, and I got back. And <laughs> when I got back, I didn't know the full effects of jet lag. I don't know if you've ever had jet lag. I don't know if you've ever been in a different kind of time zone that was completely wonky to your uh, particular environment. But, but I, I know I'd never really fully experienced that. And at 19 years old, I thought, you know, I was bulletproof like anybody else, you know, I guess at 19. And, uh, and while I was over there, uh, I had been pining for a girlfriend that I had at the time. And I praise God I did not marry this woman. I... I praise, I praise God that I married the woman over here to my left, Gretchen, to which we'll be celebrating 20 years of marriage come August. Come on. And so you're my Valentine, boo. She hates it when I call her boo. It's, yeah, yeah. So, But I was going out to see this girl that I hadn't seen in a a month, and I was so excited, you know, I wanted to see her, and and so I just decided to, you know, kind of push caution to the wind, as they say, or something like that. And I was, I was, I drove out there really late at night, because I had just came in, and and I thought, you know, I'll be fine. So I went out, and I, you know, we visited and whatever, and then I decided that I needed to go home, and it was really late at night. And, uh, and so I decided to drive home. Well, in the process of driving home, uh, something happened to my body. Uh, It began to kind of get tired. Uh, And and as I was driving, I literally began to fall asleep. Now, I'm driving on on a, you know, kind of local highway, pretty busy highway. And I'm probably going, you know, 65 miles an hour. And while I'm going 65 miles an hour down this highway, I just decide to go to sleep. And I went driving a car at 65 miles an hour. Now, this highway had some stoplights attached to it, and the car that was awake in front of me decided to stop at a red light. I mean, go figure. And so in the process of stopping at the red light, I didn't know that there was a red light. And as I came up closer and closer to the car, in a moment, God, I believe, woke me up. And as I was about to hit the end of this tail end of this car, I was able to pull my wheel and come off the side of it instead of direct hit, if that makes sense. Now, 
I don't have time to go into all of the implications of that story and all the things that I learned. But one of the things that I reflect on and, 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 and have reflected on over the years is that in that moment, I could have died. But I didn't. I know that sometimes in our lives we think, well, that's just coincidence. Maybe in that moment, you know, you, your, your body had something go on and you just woke up. It was a natural thing. You, your body sensed danger. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden you woke up at just the right moment. But I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a follower of Jesus. And I believe things about Jesus and I believe in faith and I believe that God is sovereign. And I believe that God says in his word that he will protect us. Now, I know when I say that, there are some of us that wonder, well, I get that, Pastor, but that, that's not been my experience. Or, or maybe you've prayed for someone, or maybe you've had some situation where that didn't happen. And so what happens is we create a whole theology around something that doesn't happen. But here's the problem. Even though sometimes those things don't happen, I also know that they do. And so it's so important that we see that God is busy caring for his people. And sometimes in that moment, he says, not today, Satan. Someday, sometimes he says, not today. And I, I thank God that he said not today for me because there were things he had me to do. I probably, I would not be here today if God would have not protected me in that moment. And see, see, this is the thing that we have to understand. That in the fullness of God's presence, there's protection. There's protection in God's presence. You know, one of the things I've been reflecting on recently is that when we get to heaven, <clears throat> when we get to heaven, God will completely redeem our minds. <clears throat> and all of the memories that we have that we've forgotten, all of the things that we haven't seen with our eyes, all of the places where God has been faithful, where God has protected us, where God has sent armies of angels to be with us so that we would not be hurt, will be revealed to us in technicolor. Like we will see it in its full. And I think that's just pretty powerful to think about that someday when we get to heaven, that's going to be true. Just powerful to think about how God is so working behind the scenes to keep us safe, to protect us. And you know what sometimes happens in our lives? We don't even acknowledge it. We don't even see it sometimes because we don't have the spiritual eyes to see it. And so let's never form a theology based on what doesn't happen. Let's form our theology based on what does. Let's form our theology based on God's word and what God says about what he's going to do. And the thing that we notice here in Psalm 84 is that God is busy protecting his people. See, I believe that God protected me that night. I do. And nobody can tell me any different because I was there. And I thank God that he did that. And the thing that I see in the Bible and the thing that I see in Psalm 84 in particular is the promise of God's protection. Listen to this. I mean, what does that mean to be protected? You know what it means. You, I mean, you've probably even done it. Maybe somebody you care about. You, you got in the middle of it. You know, maybe you went mama bear on somebody. You ever done that? You ever tried to protect something that, value, that you valued? Maybe, maybe, maybe you've been in a situation where you tried to safeguard someone. That means to guard someone safely. <laughs> you see, you guys are smart. You're getting it. 
security, to experience security, experience shelter, to experience refuge. But there is an opposite to unprotected, or there is an opposite to protected, isn't there? There's an opposite. And that's the experience of danger, insecurity, uncertainty. I don't know if you've experienced any of that. Seems to me that, that in this fallen world on a regular basis, we are experiencing those kinds of opposites, aren't we? It just seems that the world is designed, but it's not by God originally, but because of the fall of man, we now experience a world that is hostile to this idea. That's hostile to the idea of living safely, of living without fear, of living with a certainty that comes from God. And what happens is that we start to buy into that stuff because that's the stuff we experience on a regular basis. And rather reject it outright as something that, yes, it exists, but it isn't the thing over my life. We, we, we just kind of deal with it. We almost become lazy about it. We experience the danger, the uncertainty, and the difficulties of life, and we just kind of go with it. Even the insecurities that we feel are a byproduct of the fall. Because I don't know if you know this, but God's will for your life was always to be with Him. If you go back to the story of Eden, the story of Eden was that we would be with God in perfect union. And that's where we're returning, is what the Bible says. But right now we experience the threats. We experience the, this fear of harm. We experience this lack of stability. Just a, lack, a general lack of safety sometimes. Some of us experience it when we go out of our house. We're just kind of afraid. Maybe when you go to a certain part of town that you've never been to. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, it's in some other situation. You just kind of have this general sense of fear. Or maybe you wake up every day thinking that something bad's going to happen. But here's the thing you've got to see. That is not God's plan. And it is not God's will for your life. That he has something better. That he has something better for you and he has something better for me. And this is what I want you to see that we find when we are in God's presence. Get this. Get this. That when you connect with the presence of God, all fear goes away. Because what do you have to be afraid of? I mean, you have God, the creator of all things, all powerful, all knowing. And you, and you have that in your life. And I just am amazed that sometimes when I just get quiet and get into the presence of God, all of those things that come at me just begin to go away because of the very presence of God. That's what we need, isn't it? We don't need more TV or more leaders or more self-help or, or more talk shows or more magazines or more articles. We need more of God's presence. That's what we need. And that's what I need. Because it's in his presence that we find all kinds of things that we've talked about over the last several weeks. And last week we talked about how we, we receive his renewal. If you miss that, go watch that. But today I want to talk about how we receive his protection. See, with man, humanity, it will always be the case that we have danger, insecurity, and uncertainty. Even the ones that promise you something different. Matter of fact, I'll go as far as to say that most politicians, most politicians live their life 
propagating fear. And the reason they live their life propagating fear is they're convincing you to be afraid of something so that you will vote for them. Because if you don't vote for this person, then all of a sudden that person's going to take from you what you have. Now, you can live that way if you want. Have fun with that. Ride that roller coaster all day long and be unhappy. Or do it God's way. Experience life differently. Look at this in Psalm 18, verse 2. I love this. Listen, the Lord is my rock. That means you can build on him. The Lord is my fortress. Some of you older people, you, you know that song. Almighty fortress is our God. You guys are like, please stop singing. I get it. But he's a mighty fortress. He's my savior, the Bible says. My God is my rock in whom what? I find protection. He is my shield. The power that saves me. Come on. And my place of safety. Ooh. Then watch this in Psalm 34. Psalm 34, 7 through 9. For the angel of the Lord is a what? It's a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. All who fear him. And then I love this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know what that's about? That's about you not just having an idea of God's protection. It's about experiencing God's protection in your life. The manifest presence of God happening in your life. Observable just like biting into an apple. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take what? Refuge in him. Not refuge in something else. Not refuge in this world. Not refuge in your own ideas, opinions, or thoughts. Refuge in God. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people. For those who fear or revere God will have all they need. You'll never not have what you need. Now, I know sometimes we think we have what we don't, we think we don't have what we need. And that happens. But I can tell you something. If I asked you this question, do you believe that God is broke? You would say, no, pastor, that's dumb. That's what, I mean, you would tell me that. You'd be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I've read the Bible. Come on, have you read it? And yet, Sometimes it seems to me that we live at such a deep level of fear that we won't have what we need. Especially when it comes to giving our money. One of the main reasons people don't give their money and they aren't generous is because they're afraid. And you say, Pastor, well, that's not true. Oh, it's true. If we get deeper into that, usually it's, I don't do this because I don't think I'm going to have enough. I still want to be able to. And here's the thing I need you to see. Your life is always more abundant, more blessed, more protected when you have the spirit of the Lord on it. And I can tell you this, your money will always go further when you have the spirit of Jesus on it. 
We should never live in fear. We should never wonder what God is doing. We should always believe that God is more than enough, abundant. Isn't that what the Bible says? The Bible says that Jesus came to bring us what? Abundance. A fullness, an overflowing. And so again, I say this this week and I said it last week. A scarcity mentality is contrary to what the Bible says. And we should reject it outright because we serve a God that's more than enough. Who says he will provide all of our needs. Who says that he is our source. So good. Pastor, that's just good. I'm preaching. Awesome. Come on. Thank you, Tim. Come on. (laughs) But listen, listen, listen. This is all I want you to see today. Protection comes to us in God's presence. It just does. When we experience the presence of God, we experience his protection. I'm going to move quickly here. Look at this. I want us to look back at Psalm 84, 9 and 11. And I'm going to compare and contrast two ideas that are in that particular psalm. And I think it's going to be really useful to you. So just pay attention. In verse 9, listen. Oh God, look with favor upon the king, our shield. Now he's talking very specifically about a what? An earthly king. So he's saying that, God, would you have favor on this earthly king who is our what? Shield. Okay? That's what you see. Then, 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 and he says, show favor to the one that you have anointed. Now, fast forward into verse 11. For the Lord God is our sun and shield. Are you starting to see kind of, it's, it's, there's something going on here that's unique. There's a little tension here. And, so, and I'm going to explain it to you, but I want you to see how there's a little tension. So, so it's like, God, you, the king is our shield, but, but oh wait, you're our sun and, and our shield. So, so, so what's, what's going on? He goes on to say he gives grace, he gives us grace, and he gives us glory, right? So, so a shield is an image of protection. So, so you, you have this image of, of a shield and it's there to protect, yes? Now, he uses the language for God about sun. No man is a sun. <laughs> S-U-N. I, I mean, that would be weird, you know. So, so, so God is the creator of all things and so he created the sun. And so he says, you're our sun. He's, he's helping us to see that, that he's our source, He's our source of warmth. He's our source of what we need every day. He's bigger uh, and different, more, more uh, powerful than any human being could ever be. Yes? And then he says, sun and shield, image of protection and image of warmth. But yet there's this tension. And one of the things that Pastor Andy Stanley says all the time is that tension is there to be managed often and not resolved. That we live in life, we live life in all kinds of tensions, don't we? That can't be resolved. There are all kinds of tensions that will never be resolved this side of heaven. And we live with those tensions. And so what I'm saying to you today is we need to manage attention in order to fully experience the presence of God today. We need to manage attention. People say manage attention. Because if we don't manage this tension, what will happen? is we'll lose the peace that God wants to give us. Matter of fact, the protection that we actually have, we'll forget we have. And we'll start functioning outside of the victory and start functioning as people who have no victory. And we give away our peace to the enemy. 
We give our peace away to the enemy. We give our faith away to the enemy. We give everything that God has given us, and we give it away to him if we don't manage this tension. I'm going to show you. Here's the first thing I want you to see from that passage. Number one, God has given leaders to shield us from harm. The Bible says that. So so let me read it to you in Romans 13, verse 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. You're like, no, that's not true. It's, It's there. That's what it says. Now, I know that we get into discussions about, well, that governing authority isn't good. And so I have to make some decisions. And I understand that. You should always obey the word of God. You should always obey the word of God. I just want to go on record. You should always obey the word of God. But that also doesn't give you permission to be a punk. To be obstinate. To be rebellious in your heart. You can disagree with someone and be loving. And so, so my point is, is that the Bible says very clearly, we, we, we should submit to our governing authorities, even if you don't agree, for all authorities come from God. And the, what? Let me slow that down for you. Matter of fact, I'm going to rewind it. For all authority comes from God. Oh, man. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Oh, Pastor, why did you have to say that this morning? I had fully convinced myself that that wasn't true. I've been living that way for the last six months. Here's the thing. We can't ever forget that God gives every man and every woman the opportunity to do with what he's given them what he has called them to do. They have the ability to do it God's way. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 1 tells us that at whatever level their revelation, they have the ability to know that there is a God. And so every leader in this world, even if they're not a follower of Jesus, has a sense because of how God designed the world. And they have a choice to either do it God's way or not. So, so very clearly, the, the psalmist says to us, God has given leaders to shield us from harm. And I think that's true. Whether it's a king or an elected official, they have power because of what God has given them. Now, you're like, okay, so what am I supposed to do with that? Because I'm in tension right now, Pastor. I'm struggling a little bit with some of this because I've experienced leaders I don't like. And, 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 and I've had leaders say things to me I don't like. And, and I have this tension in me. And, 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 and so you get it. And again, I go back to the same thing. Always do what the God's word says. And matter of fact, if a leader has spoken to you in authority that seems to be coming from a place of authority in your life, then, hear it, hear it, check the scripture. Just check the scripture. See what the scripture says. And God is the one that kind of gives us that guide, gives us that guide so that we can figure that out. Okay, that's number one. God has given us leaders to shield us from harm. And yet in verse 11, he says something kind of interesting. Watch this. That, that somehow God is our son and also our shield. So, what's, so is man the shield or is God the shield? Is, is, is man king, authority to be our shield, or is God? And I know that those things can exist at both times, but I think there's something that we have to see historically so that we can live in the constant presence of God and the protection of God and the renewal of God and the blessings of God. We've got to get this. 
Listen, listen, here's number two. God never wanted a person to be our shield. Do you see it? God never intended for a person to be our shield. Now, the psalmist is praying for the person that is an authority. Yes, because these are byproducts of the fall. Like, we don't even get that sometimes because we haven't read all the way to the beginning. We haven't gone all the way to the beginning and seen what actually happened. And so what I want to show you today, stay with me, please. In 1 Samuel, I want to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8, and I want to read something to you that I think will be shocking if you don't know it. Listen to this. The prophet Samuel was getting older. He was the leader of Israel at this time. And in verse 4, we read this, chapter 8. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. In other words, you're old, we got to do something. That's, I mean, that's what's happening. Verse 5, look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. In other words, your kids are messed up and we don't want to follow them. We're willing to follow you, but they're messed up. And he says, what are we going to do about that? He goes on. He says, look, look, look what they asked for. Give us a king to judge us like all other nations we have. Do you see the comparison? And he goes on in verse 6, Samuel was displeased with their request and he went to the Lord for guidance. He didn't know what to do. He's like, ah, you guys have went too far. I don't even know how to respond to this. And then in verse 7, this is, this is what happens. He says, the Lord said, do everything they say to you. The Lord replied, watch this, for they are rejecting me not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Verse 8. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. In other words, he's like, Samuel, that's what I've been experiencing for years, boy. And now you are seeing it too. And then he says in verse 9, do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. In other words, they have rejected me. I will give them what they want, but they're definitely not going to like it. What are we putting our hope in? Who are we putting our hope in? Who is it that we're putting our hope in? It's a good question, isn't it? And then, fast forward to verse 11. Samuel speaks it out. This is what he speaks. He says, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Here it is. Listen, everybody. I'm going to run through this real quick. Listen. This is how the king will reign over you, Samuel said. The king will draft your sons and assign them to chariots and his charioteers. He'll make them run before the chariot. He's, so he's going to make them run in front of the chariot. Why is he going to make them run in front of the chariot? So that they get killed before he does. Some will be generals and captains in his army. Some will be, and I want you to start to notice how the language changes. Watch this. And I'll point it out to you as we go. Some will be forced, see it? To plow his fields and harvest his crops. And some will make, yes, make his weapons and his chariot equipment. The king will take 
your daughters from you and force them to cook and bake and make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards, olive groves, and give them to his own officials. He will take, come on, what's he going to take? A tenth of the grain. Who's the tenth belong to? So, okay, so the king is going to take a tenth of your grain and your grape harvest and distribute it among his officers and attendants. He will take, come on, your male and female slaves and demand and, and demand, demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks and you will be his slaves. Verse 18. When that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding. But then the Lord won't help you. Verse 19. But the people refuse to listen. They refuse to listen to Samuel. I can't imagine. Can you imagine Samuel coming back from speaking with God and saying, okay, God's going to give it to you. Here it is. This is what he's going to give you. And then he lays it out for you. And at no point does someone say, oh, we've gone too far. Oh, we need to get down on our knees. The Lord believes that we've been, that we've rejected him. That we've rejected the Lord. And they say, even so, we still want a king. And then in verse 20, he says, we want to be like, see the comparison? We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. Yep, he sure will. He sure will. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people had asked Verse 22, and the Lord replied, do as they say and give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. You know what happens sometimes? Is that we pray and we ask God for things. And sometimes God concedes to our point. Sometimes he concedes to our prayer. And he says, okay. That's what you get. And that's not because he's mean. It's because sometimes he has to teach us. Sometimes he has to test us. Sometimes we have to go through it in order to really know who God is. And Israel made a decision that day. And quite frankly, I think since that decision was made, we have been reaping the consequences of it because God's intent was always that he would be king. Not that we would pray for the king to be our shield, but that we would pray that God would be our shield. And now this is a tension we have to live in this side of heaven because someday we'll get to heaven and everything will be set right. But while we're here on earth, we got a problem, people. And part of our problem is that we sometimes replace the God of the universe with the God of this world. And we put our faith and our hope and our trust in the God of this world. And we wonder why we feel the way we feel. Because, see, we're worshiping something that he never intended us to worship. We're hoping in something that could always, will always let us down. 
We're hoping in something that will always let us down. A person will always let you down. Come on. And yet God won't. And one of the saddest verses in the Bible is simply this. For they rejected me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Guys, here's the thing I want you to see. As we move towards God's presence, may we embrace his leadership. May we embrace his protection by being obedient to what he calls us to do. May we not go looking for hope somewhere else. May we not go looking for it anywhere else. May we know that we can find it right there in God's presence. Guys, I am not sure that you are grabbing hold of this in your spirit. Just simply say to the Lord, Lord, I want to receive this. I want to receive this truth. I want to receive this truth. I want you to be king. I'm sorry for rejecting you as my king. God, I'm sorry for looking to people to satisfy me. God, I call it out for what it is. It's idolatry. No man or woman was ever intended to sit on the throne of my heart. Only you. Lord, I ask your forgiveness. On behalf of this church, we ask your forgiveness. On behalf of this nation, we ask your forgiveness. That we've allowed people, things, to sit on the throne of our lives. God, we ask your forgiveness. God, we repent. We recognize that if you're not on the throne in our lives, that we're never going to experience the protection that comes from your presence. And so, Lord, we ask that you would take your proper position. If that's you today, if you're like, I need that, I've gone too far, I've been, I've been obstinate, I've been rebellious, I haven't been submissive to the Lord or to even wise counsel in your life, just simply say, God, I'm sorry, I need your help today. I want to put God on the throne of my heart. God, I need it. I'm tired of trying to hope in other things, I need it. I reject earthly ways and I receive the heavenly ways today. I put my hope in you. Just simply tell the Lord that's what you want. Just tell him. Say, I'm sorry. You be king, Lord. You be king over my life. When Jesus was about to go to the cross, he met with a guy named Pilate. And Pilate was a Roman ruler. And Pilate came to Jesus and he said, who are you? He said, are you, are you the king? And I love the way Jesus responds. He's like, you said, you said I'm the king. 
And in, in, in kind of like a direct, indirect kind of way, he was saying, Pilate, do you see what you just said? This could be your story. Now we know that Pilate rejects that. But also in the moment that the gospel is writing, it's telling us that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the King of Kings. Manifest presence of God is what the Bible says. And I don't know if that's your story. Is Jesus king of your life? And if he isn't, the Bible says that he can be. And so I'd ask everybody to continue in prayer. Let's just bow our heads, close our eyes for a moment. There are people in this room, and there are people on the other side of this computer screen or their phone or wherever you are today. And you would have to honestly say that you have rejected the lordship and kingship of Jesus in your life. And you've never surrendered fully. And perhaps the Lord is stirring in you right now just an openness in you to take a step of faith. And, and so I want to help you with that. So everybody, let's, let's kind of just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. The Bible says that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he'll save you, that he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll forgive you for making other things and other people, Lord, of your life. And he'll come in and he'll change you from the inside out. The Bible says it's so clear. This is the gospel in a nutshell. That Jesus was born as a baby, grew into a man, went to a cross and died a brutal death. He was taken off that cross and put in a tomb. And three days later, he was resurrected. That's not the end of the story yet. The Bible says that he will come again in final victory. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus gives you. That's what Jesus presents to you today. My heart is that this would be your story. And so if it is something you want, I want to lead you in a prayer and I just offer this and you can repeat these words with me. And so church, let's pray these words together in faith. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be Lord of my life? I surrender to you today. I lay down my will. I lay down my desires. And ask that your will would be done. Change me, God, from the inside out. I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate anybody that was making a decision today? We are so proud of you today. It's such a good thing. So proud of you.